Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to BehindTheMaskPresents.com. This is Goose, and with me, of course, is Riverman. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Fat Albert, too, I guess. Um, it's been a few weeks since our last episode, and um, with the... I think it was Evil Dead was the last time we spoke, and, you know, we've been... I wanted to say blessed with a couple of good horror movies right back to back with each other you know content reasons and we like recording about that stuff but i don't know if we can use the word blessed because evil dead in my opinion was a disappointment i know a lot of people like it um for this one we're going to talk about the new rob zombie flick the lords of salem and you know i personally have not seen the flick yet riverman has seen it so he's gonna be our guiding light when it comes to that film uh but you know if you guys have seen the reviews it's it's getting pretty battered um so those of you that have seen it this might not be a – I don't know. We'll see if you agree with Riverman or not. He's, he's a pretty big Rob Zombie fan, so we'll get to that in a few minutes. But uh, for me, Rob Zombie's kind of hit or miss. You know, I've, I've liked and kind of not liked back and forth you know, his films. So, uh, but I, I think he's a very competent director with a lot of potential. Oh, for a mainstream director, man, he's he's on the top of his game, I think. But I don't uh, think he's a mainstream director at all, which that's his strength, I think. You know, well, he I, is I, he is mainstream because he's putting out mainstream films. He's not putting out, mm-hmm. you know, underground horror, or exploitation, well, whatever you want to call it. I don't I don't know how you call it main. I mean, the Lords of Salem. It's in at, the theaters. It's mainstream, in my opinion. Maybe not yeah. this one, but the you other know, ones were. I mean, I know we're kind of jumping the gun because we weren't we're not exactly talking about the film yet. But I do want to say the Lords of Salem only <laughs> has less than a two million dollar budget. It's like one point two million. That's a small movie, man. No, I agree, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hold off on that and uh, let you talk about some other shit. <laughs> anyway, um, news bits, I kind of want to go. I kind of got stuff that's kind of uh, all over the map this time around. The first thing I want to talk about is a couple of, uh, well, you know, we can go ahead and talk about the new Rob Zombie album that came out this week. Uh, I can honestly say I haven't been into Rob Zombie's music. Gosh, you know, I, I really enjoyed Hellbilly Deluxe back when it came out way back in the day, 1998. And that was because it was hot off the trails of White Zombie, which I love. Um, you know, that first Rob Zombie album I've, I've outgrown, even though it's still good for nostalgic reasons. But those first two White Zombie records, you know, I, those are classic and those are never going to die. Other than that, his music just... I don't know. Suffers from an identity crisis. I don't. It, sometimes he wants to be disco. Sometimes he wants to be like weird dance music. And sometimes he wants to, you know, try and rekindle the white zombie flame. But it just ain't happening. And yeah, the biggest example would be that last record he did, the Hellbilly Deluxe Part Two. He capitalized on his biggest album there, and it sounded nothing like Hellbilly Deluxe, even though that's what he was marketing. Um, this album, I have to say, I did. I listened to the whole thing once. You know, uh, Rob Zombie's definitely going to be one of those people where I will stream the album before I ever bought it because I don't really have. Sure. Lot, I really don't have a lot of faith in his music anymore. But you know, I streamed it, you know, with no expectations, and I actually thought it was a solid listen. And it's getting reviewed really well, actually, from uh, all the credible sources I've read. It's it's been pretty high marks, so I, I had to listen to it to see for myself. And you know what? On on a first listen, I enjoyed it. Um, I think he finally hit on the head that kind of niche he's been trying to do. That kind of not heavy metal. It's not a metal sound. It doesn't have a real heavy high end distortion like uh, his first his first record or anything like that. But it's it's a nice balance of hard rock with that kind of groove dance thing. I don't know. He just kind of hit it. Rock and roll, I guess. And But with that said, as great as, you know, a lot of people think it is, I don't, I bet you it'd be a record I'd peter out after a couple listens. But, you know, I'd probably forget about it. But it was good on a first listen. So maybe give it a chance. Um, River, I don't know if you like his music or anything. Oh, I, lo- I love his music. I'm lo- actually looking forward to this album. I like I like you said, I'm going to stream it on Spotify before I even think about purchasing it. But and, and you know what? Maybe it's worth me listening to again. But it, you know, I've listened to a lot of records in my day. I still buy records and I go to see a lot of shows. So a lot of times I can look in hindsight, man, and or or have foresight rather, and just I can tell it's it's all right. But I'm probably going to peter out of it after a couple of listens or anything. You know, I'll, I'll I guess I've got White Zombie to hold on to. But you know, live 
his stuff is great. Oh, and I, fantastic. It's funny, it's funny because I enjoy all his solo stuff live. It's fun to watch live, and you get into the songs, and you know, it's one of those instances where you might grow to like the songs after you've seen them live. So that's probably the case with me on some of his songs. So you know, whether or not I think his solo material is worth a damn, I'll still go see him live because it's a great show. If he was one of those bands that you know had a stripped down approach to their uh, onstage presence, then I, they probably wouldn't be anything. It's the fact that he brings the whole uh, kit and caboodle on stage and stuff. But well, he's a type of artist. If you listen to like CD, you have to be in the mood for. You know, you can't just throw it on and be like, okay, let's just listen to Rob Zombie and get into it. Yeah, eh, you know, I don't know. I can't really do that with any of his solo stuff. But but I, I feel what you're saying. Uh, other than that, another artist, a uh, good favorite of ours. The new Megadeth song, Megadeth, sorry, premiered this week. It's the title track off their upcoming Super Collider. And, of course, I streamed it right away. And I'm going to go ahead and just be a music snob right now. And If you guys are familiar with Megadeth's history, they had their commercial period in the 90s. Started with Euthanasia and, and kind of really hit the niche with uh, Cryptic Writings, which I love those two records. I would I, say you're going to say Risk. No, Risk got more experiment. <laughs> I love Risk. I love Risk. And you know what? I, I will fend night and day that I think that's an overrated, I mean, sorry, underrated record as far as one that people hate. But I think it's a pretty catchy record. But anyway, Euthanasia is my actually my favorite Megadeth record. And Cryptic Writings is a close second, actually. And yeah, this is coming from a guy that loves Rust in Peace and loves, you know, Peace Cells. But anyway, this new track sounds like... Uh, if I said it sounded like Cryptic Writings, you would assume that was a good thing. But it sounds like a, a B-side leftover from Cryptic Writings. <laughs> it sounds like it belonged in those sessions, but the song is boring and it's lame. That's still probably better than their last few albums. So. Oh, no, no, no. First of all, uh, gosh, Endgame, two albums ago, was really a, a solid record. Really thrashy, real heavy. Um, and the last record, 13, you know, I listened to it a handful of times. And it's a... It's a decent record i wouldn't say it's great but i kind of got tired of it but there's good songs on it this record this song was just kind of boring and almost laughable trying to be radio friendly and like i said it was like a cast away from the, the cryptic writing session so i don't and there wasn't even a guitar solo in there so i don't know what they're trying to pull the mop the mop is losing it i don't yeah. know what's going on hey, but you know what? still good in concert though no 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 well i mean you know what at least they even if it's harkening back to a different era in their career, at least they're not releasing the same album over over and over again. You know, people got excited a couple albums ago when they released a, a thrash record again, like, whoa. Then they sit there and raise eyebrows by going back again and do another commercial record. Um, and here we are. But anyway, we'll see. You know, I'll check the whole thing out. And Megadeth, I got to be honest with you, man, their last four records or so have not been consistent with me. So they're not a band that I'm just going to run out and buy the album right away anymore. They're not that band. I mean, as much as I, I'm a huge fan of a lot of those classic records, huge fan, I, it's, it, I'm going to have to stream it first. You know, they've, yeah, you know, it's just kind of where I'm at, I guess. No doubt. Uh, big, big music news, I think. Metallica fans, uh, they, have you guys ever heard about the 3D movie that's coming out? Mm -hmm. The Through the Never? Um, they're calling it kind of like, uh, Eh, Metallica meets the song remains the same type of Led Zeppelin thing where it's a, a documentary about putting on a concert and I guess from what I hear it's not your typical what you'd think it's not a whole lot of there, I don't think there's any band interviews in there it's all like the behind the scenes making of the show and all live concerts so it's going to be very interesting anyway they announced today that a week before it actually gets released into theaters nationwide um, in 3D, which is, I think, October 4th or something. The week before that, they announced today it's going to play in every IMAX in the country for one week before hitting regular theaters. Hmm. That's killer. I can't wait to see it. So I'm excited about that, but I'm a fanboy. Last but not least, uh, upcoming shows, I'm going to go be uh, I'm going to be seeing the Deftones on Monday. Huge Deftones fan. Uh, that's a band that's come back really strong in the last two albums. They're you know, their latest album is incredible. Go check it out if you're, you know, have any taste whatsoever. Um, I'll definitely be reviewing that bad boy. So, uh, I don't know. Other than that, gosh. Oh, I got I got one thing for you real quick before you move eh. off of music. Okay. So what do you think about the new um Black Sabbath song? Oh, you know, and I and that's something I meant to bring up as well, and that was big news this week. Shame on me. The new Black Sabbath song, you know, I it was better than I, I probably set myself up for. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, the last time that we heard 
a an original Black Sabbath song with, with well, at least with Ozzy on board was when they had the reunion CD back in 1998. It was a live album, and they tacked on two brand new studio songs. They were horrible. Mm-hmm. They were jokes. So it's like, oh, and that in itself was 15 years ago. So, you know, at the thought of them regrouping and coming out with a, a whole new era of music, you know, they haven't had an album in 30 plus years since 19, what, 78? Yeah. So it's like, this is a band. I mean, I know Black Sabbath went on in the 80s and the 90s and different incarnations, but to me, Black Sabbath is. You know, those four members, which, by the way, Bill Ward is not playing drums, as everybody heard. You know, he, they couldn't reach an agreement with him. And they've got Brad Wilk of Rage Against the Machine who recorded the album for him. So, you know, I guess you got to live with it or don't. But anyway, so I don't know if you want to call it original lineup or not, but I don't know. Anyway, that incarnation of the band, the real Black Sabbath, died. It, it was born and died in the 70s. So it's really odd to have a new album. How many decades later? Yeah, it's just so weird. It's almost like kind of just want to leave it alone. I don't know, but at the same time, I heard the song, and you know, I wasn't. I set my I set the bar so low. I guess I I liked it. You know, I I I have to listen to it alongside some classic Black Sabbath albums, and and I might get a better perception, you know, perspective of it all. But you know, it's all right. I have to say, per, uh, pl- you know, thumbs up to Ozzy because he sounds the least processed. Studio wise, I've heard him in probably twenty years because his vocals are just ugh, they're horrible and they sound so fake on the records now because he can't you know hold a tune to save his life. This one sounds very minimal. It, it sounds like Black Sabbath, you know, through a slightly modern production. It's about it's about how you would expect it to sound, but it does capture kind of that vibe, that old Sabbath vibe. But you know, it's to the point where some of the riffs kind of sound familiar. Like I've heard this before, you know, no, so I agree. And I've listened to it two or three times. And me I too. Actually, I've listened to it a handful of times. I actually really like it. And uh, a lot of people are shitting on it. So I was just curious about your opinion. on no, no, a lot of people are liking it. There's, there's some people that are, you know, you know, dumping on it. And some people, but a lot of people really like it. I think the feedback's really good. Honestly. Um, it's really, it's really, really long. It's kind of got a really slow beginning that first it's like eight minutes, the first six minutes real mellow. But I think it's kind of catchy and it's not unlike the original Black Sabbath self-titled album where the you know with the, with the title track Black Sabbath being real slow. And then it kicks into that riff at the beginning. This is exactly the same formula as this song. So they're just—they're not doing anything groundbreaking here. Yeah. They're intentionally going back, and we're doing the same formula as we did in the classic days. You know, call it a cop out, uh, but we'll take it if they're incapable of doing something new. At the same time, I think people would be complaining if they try if they wait if they decided to now experiment after not having an album since the '70s. Like, really? Like why no, would you, you why would you do that? Why would why would Metallica, you know, make their last album Injustice for All and not have an album for 30 years and come out with something like Saint Anger? That would make no sense. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm just saying, can you imagine if it's cuz if they were releasing consistent music with that lineup, I'd understand. <laughs> Everybody like, would be frantic tick 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 tock. I'm just saying that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Um so I think they're doing what I would probably do too, but it's okay. I'm hoping it's the Worst song on the album. I actually heard another one as well um, that they've been playing. I think it's called End of the Beginning. It's the opening track. They've been playing it live, so you can go on YouTube and find some clips of that. And it sounds pretty consistent with what we heard. So, you know, I'm, that is a CD now that I'm looking forward to. I wasn't before, and now I'm going to go out and probably buy a first day. You yeah, have to. Even though, the, you know, when I heard the album title, I'm like, gosh, another record called 13. Wow. Well, God, Megadeth's last album is called 13. Suicidal Tendencies' new record is called 13. Uh, amongst, I think, two or three more the last year and a half. It's it's ridiculous. But uh, And there's that album artwork, which I hated right off the bat. I mean, I don't know. I think I'm warming up to it a little bit. But it's like a Wicker Man homage for the 13 burning. It's stupid. I, it's, it's so cliche and overdone. But uh, you want to talk about album titles. How about, uh, well, Rob Zombie's new album title is fantastic, and so is uh, Alice in Chains. Yeah. Well, I love the Alice in Chains album title, God, the, or the Devil Put Dinosaurs Here. I think it's great. It came out of left field, and people are still dumping on it. But I, right away, I got the tongue-in-cheek of it, you know, the whole uh, eh, closed-minded Christian viewpoint that, you know, when they're questioned with something, whenever they question God or they question somebody's beliefs, you know, like and one of the most famous would be, you know, well, uh, if this existed and this existed, then how do you explain dinosaurs? And people that don't have anything better to come up with say, oh, the devil did it. 
the devil put the bones there to, to throw us off. That's so stupid. <laughs> and so they're, they're making fun of the whole, you know, that Christian niche and stuff, which, you know, I'm a Christian man myself, but I can laugh at some of those really hardcore conservatives that don't want to think for themselves. Oh, so yeah. that's that's what they're kind of poking fun at. There's an electronic press kit out there if you've seen it on YouTube. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it's an official EPK or not, but it's a short film they made with uh, somebody. And I can't remember with what which website it's in conjunction with, but it's really funny. And it's like it's a classic. Alice and Chains move where they used to always do the skits and they'd be in character. Sure. They, they have a real sense of check it out. It's, it, I found it really, really funny. But uh, yeah, I love that one. The Rob Zombie one, I just think it's cliche. Like it just. Oh, it's funny, dude. I like it. I think it's cliche. It's like, okay, you know, we're going to keep doing all these psychedelic records and we know what to expect, your weird titles and stuff. So it, he comes out with this one. And it's just the most – it's like, hey, let's make the most cliche, absurd titles ever because people expect us to. <laughs> That's and what I like about it, dude. It's, it it's unique. Sense. It doesn't make any sense. No. And I just think it's forced. And then if you look, what makes it worse is look at the titles on the record. They're I didn't even titles. see those. Like, dude, the titles on the track listing, the titles, they are just as complicated as the actual album title. And they're all like that. It, it makes you want to go into a seizure just trying to read it all in the back. Too many letters. Like, uh that don't make any sense. So I think that's kind of silly, but whatever. What do I know? Um, to each the their only, own. Yeah, to each their own. But well, like I said, it's an interesting. I'd say it's worth a listen on Spotify and then go from there. Yeah. But uh, I think that's I think that's it. Thanks for bringing up the Black Sabbath thing. Yeah. Uh, what, what about movie news? Do you uh, you know any movie news? Well, as far as what I I don't. Gosh, there's a lot of stuff always happening in the movie worlds. I don't know. I can't think of anything. There's something I kind of wanted to touch on. I didn't know if you had anything or not, but eh, all I know is that The Rock's coming out with like ten movies a week. That's all I got. Oh, um, uh, I I kind of wanted to throw out there. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm really I want to check it out. A video on demand. It just came out a week or two ago. It's called uh, Antiviral, and it's uh, David Cronenberg's son directed it. That. Brandon Cronenberg, and the premise is just off the fucking wall. I mean, it's supposed to be your typical Cronenberg film where it's just like, you know, it's crazy horror, sci-fi, thriller type of thing. But um, basically, I think they're using uh, living viruses harvested from celebrities. And um, I guess wealthy people want these viruses, so they get injected with these viruses, the same strand from the celebrity, for some weird reason. Um, that just shows you how much you know we love celebrities nowadays. But uh, I don't know. It's supposed to take place in you know distant future, but uh, it just sounds cool and uh, it sounds like it's be willing to check. Uh, it's worth checking out on video on demand. So, hmm. well, I don't know. I've been on a really big uh, documentary kick. I started off. I watched that bully documentary on Netflix. Finally, um, I. I don't know if if you're a grown man and you don't cry, then you know you have no heart because it made it. Dude, it, it, I think all children should watch documentaries like that. I know people were making fun of it, and people make fun of like the whole bullying online bullying campaigns you see on TV now with celebrities endorsing that, and and I know people made fun of this particular documentary on things like South Park back when it came out. But all that stuff aside, you know it's 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 a serious look at what goes on in the oh, world yeah. of adolescence. It's and even it's, worse nowadays. It, it really is even worse nowadays. I I think it is. You know, I talk to anybody, talk to your parents and stuff like that. I think they would agree to. But it, it's just ridiculous, man. It was a really good documentary. And then I'm a history nut, so I, I watched this documentary on North Korea called uh, Kim Jong Ilia, Kim Jong Il like a flower, like magnolia, and it was incredible. I've no, I you know I've I've known the basics of North Korea obviously for a long time, but this will really open your eyes to the way the regime is there. It's nuts. And they interview uh, people that have successfully escaped out of North Korea. And otherwise, obviously, we wouldn't be getting this information. But it's just a tell-all, man. And it, it, it's just rough. It makes you just want to... I'm not an advocate for war, and I know our country can't afford it, but after watching it, it's like, man, can't we can't we try and find the money somewhere so we can go take out that guy and give him back to South Korea? Because it just makes you want to go over there and punch him in the face. You know, the entire... Uh, Kim Kim Dynasty it was his grandfather who was a nut, then Kim Jong Il's a nut, and now his son's a total nut, and it just seems like I think they're going to get worse and worse. And we need worse. to send all our prisoners over there, dude. <laughs> dude, our prisoners don't deserve it, dude. Goodness, it's horrible. Our, our well, prisoners, they can they can be free if they can uh, take over North Korea, dude. Our prisoners 
don't deserve what their innocent people get. <laughs> what, what blew me away was their, uh, their three-generation rule. If you get thrown in one of the – they got concentration camps all over North Korea, like old-school World War II style. And they – you know, when they throw you in one of these concentration prisons, they throw in three generations. <laughs> so if you do something, River – you know they're gonna they're gonna take your father and your son with you. Jesus, that's horrible, man. There's people that are born into these things. What? No cable TV and Facebook like they do in the states? Oh no, 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 absolutely <laughs> no. Seriously, no, they don't. They are the most isolated country in the world. I know. I'm just I'm making fun because yeah, our prison system. You know. Well, well, I'm just saying they don't have that stuff even with their people that are not in prisons. Yeah, it's just that's the way communism is, and it's really funny to. Uh, I don't know. It's just really nuts. You know, they don't have any connection from the outside world. They don't want that information getting to their citizens. You know, they they brainwashed their entire country when uh, you know the Kim Jong Il's father took rule and he ruled for sixty years. And because we didn't have any that outside information coming out coming inside, you know, they they believed him to be a god and believed that to be the best there was and that this is exactly how it was supposed to be. So that's how tightly shut they want to keep it and they they want to keep them wrapped around their finger and it's it's really a shame and i think it wasn't even until 1994 when it was exposed that they had those concentration camps all over the place and that was only because somebody escaped and and you know took pulled the lid off so that's nuts but anyway and there's a whole bunch of stuff i've watched more i watched one on burma and all kinds of stuff you know i'm just a freak about that stuff but anyway that's what i've been into lately uh the only other news bit i wanted to mention actually was uh it's nothing super heavy, but I guess Stallone mentioned uh, Sylvester Stallone. Like I really had to say it in full, but I guess he said he would really like to get Mel Gibson to be in Expendables Three. Hell yeah! <laughs> I, I for one would be all for it. You know, I, I love how Mel Gibson isn't afraid to do a B movie here and there, especially nowadays that he's Hollywood cancer. But you know what? I gotta mention. I think Mel Gibson's last couple of films, minus that stupid Beaver movie, were actually really cool. His indie films, he's been putting out himself on his own production company, and they're real gritty and you know they're 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 kind of B movie independent style. They're awesome. I love Get the Gringo, and I love Edge of Darkness. So, and the fact that is he going to be <laughs> is he going to be the villain with a bunch of skinhead neo Nazis back? I would him? love it. I would love it, man. <laughs> Mel Gibson could only be look. Look, okay, I'm a Mel Gibson fan. I didn't know him personally. He didn't insult my lineage. You know, I'm going to like his movies. And in his last few movies, man, he's been playing characters that are really, really showing on the sleeve of his real personality. And he's being himself. And I like it, man. I like crazy friggin' uh, unhinged Mel Gibson. You know? it look, yeah. You watch a film like Get the Gringo, and he doesn't quite go there, but you kind of look in his eyes the whole movie, and you kind of think, man, is he going to start? Is he going to say Spick? Is he going to say something racist any moment? They don't go there, but it's like, ah, he could. But that's just who he is, man. He's unbridled. He's un, you know, chained. He's all that good stuff. But anyway, I guess nothing solid on that front. I guess Stallone said he's trying to negotiate and he's trying to reach out to him. And he said that I would even like him to direct it. Okay, now I think that's stepping a little far. I don't think Mel Gibson would direct a movie like this. <laughs> well, I mean, it'd be good. He's a good director. Give him that well, out. he is a great director, but and Mel Gibson's a great storyteller. But I just don't see Mel Gibson directing a, a, a blow him up movie without. I'm sorry, The Expendables. They're great movies. They're fun movies. I love them, but they have no substance. No, you know they have no substance. And you know the movies that you know Mel Gibson's done, like Apocalypto and and Braveheart and The Passion. They're all movies that were telling a story. So I just don't. I don't see that. I I, I would say that I, you've, I've talked to people. Uh, on the forums, on the Facebooks, and all that stuff that have chimed in that Mel Gibson is too good for this kind of thing. You know what? I think the fact that Mel Gibson is already playing officially the, the bad guy in the new Machete movie proves that he's not too good for it. No. I mean, so Expendables 3 is is a B movie, but Machete isn't a B movie? Come on. Machete's a C movie, dude. You know, it's it, so I don't... I think he could do it. I think he would be great in it. I would love it personally. But I do think he might be too good of a director, personally. So, Plus, Simon West did a fantastic job. I think Simon West did great. Simon West has a lot of – he's a good action director. I don't think it was, and Simon West did a way better job than Stallone did on that first one. No, I agree. Oh, Simon, uh, Simon West did way better. The, the cutaways weren't there. 
Um, his cinematography, everything about it was just great. So I, I, I'm okay with keeping Simon West, and he's an ace action director. If you ask me, he's not. He's not a B list guy. So, but you know, I don't know. Braveheart. Hopefully, Braveheart himself is in it. So not directing it. I think St- I think Stallone needs to go back to making another Rambo movie, dude. Well. We're kind of derailing here, but I want, we can talk about that for a second. Supposedly, that was off and on. Oh, really? You know, well, yeah, uh, because the fourth Rambo, dude, I, you agree with me, it's top five it's, action film. Yeah, it's my favorite Rambo. It is so, and it's my favorite, too. And that, that sounds like sacrilege because, you know, First Blood is so incredible, and it's easy to say First Blood. But no. I have to say, man, I enjoy the fourth one the most. And when you're talking you know, about action films. You put that one in there. Yeah, well, and you know what? It's funny because First Blood is hardly an action film. It's a drama, but it's a great movie. It's a good story. Um, Rambo didn't really become action until the third one for me. I mean, I guess the second one technically, but the second one bores you to tears. Nothing happens. I love the third one, dude. The third one's incredible. So it's like, for me, it goes number four, number one. Number four, the first one, the third one, and the second one just sucks. But no, anyway... Um, as soon as they made Rambo, he announced he wanted to do a fifth and final one. It kind of leaves off. You know, he goes to see his father and it ends or whatever. And then he kind of had the Expendables thing fall in his lap. And that was an undertaking. And that, you know, took a lot of time. And that turned out to be a big hit. So then he officially retired Rambo. And he said, you know what? I'm going to focus on making a new franchise before, my, before I die, basically. You know, and that's cool. But anyway, it resurrected again Force within the last... Well, yeah, it, his head looks like a meatloaf on his neck. <laughs> but anyway, it resurrected again in the last few months. And I guess um, they have kind of rough scripts. I guess nothing finalized. But I guess it's back on. And hopefully it's not back off again. Because the script and the story sounds awesome. N- should I go on? Yes. Okay. I'm excited for it because it takes Rambo to where we've never seen Rambo. Space? Um, <laughs> Rambo in space would be badass. <laughs> it couldn't be any worse than Jason in space. Or the <laughs> That'd in be space. awesome, dude. But uh, it would be freaking cool, man, dude. You have trouble with Martians. Let's call Rambo. But anyway. <laughs> dude, Either that or in biblical times, dude. Can you, can you imagine? <laughs> can, Lord, still, uh, freaking Rambo of Arabia, dude. Yeah. Rock in the desert. Oh gosh! Or you know, and I could have, I could easily see uh, John Rambo fighting off the aliens, Ridley Scott's aliens, dude, in outer space, dude. <laughs> yeah. I could see all of it because Rambo, everything is a little better with a little Rambo added. The but Bible hey, with Rambo. <laughs> the Bible with Rambo. I can imagine with a crown of thorns, dude, hanging on a cross. Actually, like, can you imagine with the blood running down his face and him him screaming? Be steroid juice running down his face. One of you will betray me. <laughs> but, <laughs> Anyway, um, we've seen Rambo, obviously, when he came back home uh, in the first one, and it was the story about the whole Vietnam vet and everything. Then we then we saw him in Asia. We saw him in Afghanistan in the third one, and then the fourth one's Burma. I think the second one was Thailand, yeah. actually. Okay, so we've seen him four different places. This one will take supposedly take place right when he gets back. He gets back at the end of the fourth when you see him uh, going back to his father's farm, and that's where it ends off. Okay, come to find out Rambo has a daughter. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't know his daughter because, you know, he's not exactly been the best father. He's been living in freaking, you know, Thailand, charming snakes for 30 years. But anyway, it turns out he had a daughter. I don't know if she was birthed before the freaking war or whatever. But anyway, she's all grown now. But somehow, some way, she's in a lot of trouble. And this movie takes place, uh, it's it's about the Mexican border situation. Huh. And and Tijuana. Huh. And drug and drug dealers and, and all that stuff and the cartels. That sounds cool. I mean it sounds well base how cool does this sound? Rambo has to save his daughter and freaking uh cross the Mexican border and take out freaking Tijuana and drug cartels, dude. That's badass. Well, why don't they put that uh, North Korea that John Wong Kim or the fuck his name is? Put him in there. <laughs> well, the thing is, is dude, that would be cool, man. I'd love yeah. nobody gets into Korea, man. It'd be cool if he if John Rambo swam the North Korea, dude. <laughs> he swam the North Korea and he freaking sneaks in and he takes them all out. Takes them all out to South yeah. Korea, dude. Stealth. Oh, that'd be awesome. But the thing is, is you know, we're our, our Hollywood is a little too timid right now because that that stupid Red Dawn remake. That one got held up and got delayed because the original premise was North Korea invading, right? Yeah. Okay, they scrapped that. Did they? Now, you know, wait a second. Maybe I'm getting my facts backwards. Was it? It was either North Korea and they didn't want to sit there and uh, piss people off, and they scrapped it and, and made it China. 
Oh, they made it China, dude. Or or maybe I'm backwards. Maybe they didn't want to offend China, and they turned it around and made it toward North Korea. I really don't remember, so I'm getting my facts mixed up now. But anyway, Hollywood is sensitive as far as political. Stupid, you know. dude. But anyway, I personally would love it. We've seen Rambo in the Jungle a million times. I would love to see um, John Rambo give us his opinions on border control. <laughs> Freaking just, oh, that'd be awesome, man. You uh, can fight all the Canadians off, dude. Yeah, no. Be on the Canadian know. border. It would look a lot like First Blood because I mean that looks like a <laughs> shot. In can- it looked like a shot in Canada, dude, in the woods there. That's true. But anyway, if that happens, I want it. I want that movie actually more than Expendables Three. Yeah, you have to forgive my friend. He loves playing in the jungle. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds a lot like the Arnold quote. You have to forgive my friend here. He's dead tired. <laughs> yeah. How many How many friends that need to be forgiven, Arnold? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But anyway, we're, we're going on and on about movies. And the last little bit of info, we don't have to stay on it very long. It's actually gaming info. We don't really talk about a lot of games. I want to start talking about games, but I'm a huge Metal Gear Solid fan. My favorite series, hand down, used to be Final Fantasy before that series went to the toilet. But Metal Gear Solid, uh, the big news obviously last month was the fact that they announced David Hayter, the iconic, probably the most iconic voice actor in video games. I mean, uh, he they announced they weren't going to be using his services for the new game, which is sacrilege since he's been playing Snake since, you know, 1998 in every game. So I don't know what's up there. We're not going to get into that. Hopefully they wise up and listen to all the fans bantering and complaining and bring them back. But anyway, they announced a Metal Gear Legacy Collection. If you know, for me, I bought the uh, HD collection when it came out last year. It came with HD uh, remakes of uh, uh, Part Two, Three, and, and Peace Walker. Well, now I'm kind of regretting that since I haven't even opened that up yet because now they're releasing the Metal Gear Legacy Collection, eight discs. It's Metal Gear Solid One, oh, Two, Three, Four, and uh, Metal Gear Solid VR missions and and Peace Walker, and it does include the HD remakes that I just mentioned that I bought last year and wasted my money on, I- and two. Two discs of bonus, uh, and they're going to take my money because I'm a fanboy. I love it. The packaging is going to be sweet, so they are going to take my money again, even though I own all this stuff, and it really pisses me off. It's like Riverman here whenever they release Day of the Dead and Dawn of the Dead over yeah. and over. They're, he knows they're going to take his money. He just has to go ahead and assume his money's already gone. I thought he was going back to acting, dude. Isn't he okay. going to go back to acting or uh, Napoleon yeah. Dynamite too, dude? Who are you talking about? No, dude, you are What? David Hayter, dude. No, you are getting it. That is not David Hayter. Oh, it's not? No. <laughs> that guy sucks, dude. Maybe that's John Heater, dude. That's John Heater, dude. <laughs> David Hayter is, he, he, t- t- for cult people, he played the main character in The Giver 2 back in like 1991 or something. Oh, that, MacGyver did? No, not MacGyver. The Giver. Oh. It was a live action uh, Japan, take on a Japanese anime movie, dude. It's actually a cheesy um, cool movie but anyway he's a really big screenwriter too those you don't know david Hayter, no game nerds out there he's written the 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 scripts for x-men 2 i think he co-wrote x-men 1 or vice versa and he also wrote the screenplay for the watchman and he's done a lot of big movies and right now he's directing his debut right now called wolves i guess and it's starring jason momoa from game of thrones season one sweet dude We'll see how that goes. But anyway, it's a big bummer for me. That's all I got in the gaming world. I think we um, should take a break and then get get into the meat of the whole thing and talk uh, about. Before we get into the meat of the whole thing, we'll take we'll take a break and we're going to talk about the greatest show on television since fucking Mash, which is Hemlock Grove from Eli. Oh. But uh, we'll we'll come oh. back. We'll talk about that and then we'll get into uh, Lords of Salem. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Oh, all right. Hi. Are you the lieutenant? I just saw the tenant like ten minutes ago standing in the doorway. to break it to you, but there is no person in number five. You have to understand that there is a war waging in heaven. On the rare occasion, a special child appears. 
everything all right? No. The curse, the lords of Salem, possessing the souls of the Salem women, which the devil's child would inherit the earth. Satan, come to us! does not spare angels when they sin. Welcome. Hello, folks, and welcome back to BehindTheMaskPresents.com. Goose and Riverman here. Mm-hmm. I forgot I forgot two little news bits I want to say before we get into the uh, uh, Hemlock Grove incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say congratulations to our boy Michael Rooker, who scored a um, great role in the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy Phase 2 Avengers movie. That's going to be incredible. So uh, I'm glad to see a real hardworking actor like him laying on his feet like immediately after losing the Walking Dead gig. You know He's what I'm going places. I think it, and the thing is, he's always been places. He's well, always been that guy that pops up in a lot of movies. But now with Walking Dead, he's more of a household name now. True. People actually know his name, and the fact that he's going to be in a Phase Two Marvel flip. When I'm looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy as well as just the entire Phase Two Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be very important because supposedly it's going to introduce everybody to Thanos, who's going to be the main villain in Avengers. So it's going to be very important. So it'd be actually great. Who knows? Maybe Michael Rooker's character will cascade on over to Avengers Two. That would be incredible. Uh, anyway, that, and I wanted to wish a happy belated birthday to Tim Curry, who had a birthday this past week. Tim Curry's amazing. He actually uh, deserves a retrospect in his own right, which who knows, maybe we'll do one day because, you know, he's been countless characters. He was uh, the concierge on Home Alone 2. He was uh, Pennywise. A cheese pizza. And a cheese pizza. Compliments of the Plaza Hotel. Anyway, he's Pennywise, the dancing clown, and it. He was, of course, in Legend with that horrible Tom Cruise. Uh, and, of course, everybody knows him from Rocky Horror. Rocky Horror. But, anyway, he's done a lot of uh, iconic roles where he's in makeup. You know, that the, the big devil with the giant horns from Legend, dude, used to scare me when I was a little kid. Freak me out. He was so scary. But anyway, and Pennywise, too. He's a lot of frightening characters. So, And he's a very, very accomplished voice actor, too. He does a lot of great things. And I forgot to mention, of course, Mr. Body in the wonderful Clue movie, which is incredible if you've never seen it. I, I think it might still be on Netflix. Check it out. It was recently, yeah. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. And we are going to get into – I don't know if you want to call – everybody's attaching Eli Ross' name to it. He's really been big about that lately. You know, not making – I guess he's got a couple movies in the works now, but – for it seemed like a good five, six years, we were just getting a lot of attachments like Eli Roth presents this garbage, you know, and this is kind of the same diff here. He's executive producing it. Now, who knows what his roles are as an executive producer? For all I know, they could have just handed him a fat check to use his name. But anyway, I don't see how this is anything Roth like. I don't know about you, River, but I, I want to say that I think. I've actually watched about half of it, actually about five episodes. So, well, I th- he he has. I think he's directed one episode, so we can give him credit for one episode. Are we sure? Yeah. I I demand your proof. I will I, look it up. IMDb it. It's one episode. Oh well, I I don't trust IMDb because I was I was seeing different uh, credentials on different sources actually. But like. Uh, IMDb also says that he only executive produces three episodes. I saw it, but he, he, he's got his name on every single episode. I don't know. I really can't get the facts, and I don't trust IMDb all the time. And, Best thing since MASH. Oh, you know what? River's going to have a little bit of a different opinion because I think he only watched one episode. Is that right? That's right. All right, so you go ahead and give me your opinion off the one episode, then I'll chime in since I've watched about five. This show is the greatest piece of shit I have seen on TV. It's garbage, man. It's like watching it's like watching an R-rated version of Twilight. And the only reason it's rated R is because they show half a tit and they might show some intestines in the first episode. This is boring. The characters suck. Everything about this sucks. Um 
everybody talks about, you know, this is supposed to be like, you know, a scary, gruesome show, and it just, the whole storyline's horrible. It didn't get me, I wasn't intrigued one bit watching it. I had to kind of force my force myself through the first episode after like 20 minutes. I was like, okay, you know, usually these shows, like, I'm going to throw something out there, like the Bates Motel. I wasn't too sure about it going into it, but... It really intrigued me. It, it took me surprise, surprise a lot. Some people don't like it, but um, this actually, that actually has a better storyline. This has no crappy storyline, in my opinion. And I watched one episode, and I will ne- never watch it again. All right. And I, I decided to I, – I pretty much agreed with him upon watching that first episode. I decided to give it a little bit more of a chance, and I've watched about five so far. But anyway, my first impressions of that, that initial debut was it just came off like – a poor man's American horror story cash in, you know, worse than that. Well, just a cash in, not as good, but yeah, it was, it was really boring. And, but I was trying to give it a little credit because it was trying to set up, but yeah, rated R twilight kind of sounds about right because they're doing the whole werewolf and vampire thing. And it's not cool. The howling on two feet werewolves. It's the stupid. I'm turning into a dog like Taylor Lautner. Yeah. werewolf and it's i mean I, you saw the first episode so you didn't even see a morphing scene river it doesn't matter but it doesn't matter but that but once you get into the second or third episode yeah that's the kind of werewolves we're talking about here they turn into actual wolves like dogs like in twilight it's yeah. dumb that's not a werewolf and everybody was talking about i was hearing a lot of oh the show is so so but man it's got the greatest morphing scene you'll ever see and so i wanted to give it the benefit of the doubt and i think the morphing scene happens in the second season and i, I thought it was laughable I mean, come on. The Howling. Granted, the original Howling had the longest, most overdrawn morphing scene. It was way too long. But it was you know, still probably what? the best morphing scene, though. It, it was really cool, though. The practical effects they did was really neat. Uh, this one, eh, if it was all done practically, I guess it could have been cool, but it was half CGI. Yeah. It was, half of it was CGI, and it was really lame. They didn't show that much, and... I, I just thought it was overhyped, and, and, and like if this is what people think is the best morphing scene of all time, then you know they really need to get educated, and they really need to see some other films. But I mean, the only the only kind of cool touch I thought is that when he finished uh, morphing and he became the actual dog, you know, this the it's like he destroyed himself in the process. Like his eyeballs got popped out, and his guts were coming out. He was like self imploding. And this were- it's like a werewolf was coming out of his human body, and it just destroyed his earthly body. Um, anyway, I thought it was kind of cool how the dog <laughs> ate the organs and intestines of himself. After he morphed, <laughs> after- I thought that was kind of sick. I guess that explains how I guess he morphs back into a human. I don't know. He digests his organs all over again. I don't know. But anyway, it was a- it was very boring. And you know what? I mean, River can even vouch for this, but I didn't even know it was a vampire story. That's how shoddy the plot was well i don't know but i picked up on that in the beginning very beginning when he's he's banging that girl and he starts cutting himself and sucking his own blood so i'm like okay this is vampires versus werewolves and obviously there's some tension between the the rich guy the rich guy of the neighborhood and the poor guy from the neighborhood you know but you know what i just think it, it it was subtle enough to where i missed it because they don't they don't stay on that enough and i don't know if that's 100% accurate but that's what i got from the first episode i haven't so. seen anything about i'm 5 episodes into it and i've not seen anything about vampires yet okay so but like i said that doesn't mean they aren't vampires because the show is so vague and the thing is is they you think they're they're ta- you think they'd enlighten and shed more light on the, the the vampire thing if that's the case the wolf thing but they keep drifting off man they keep losing the plot there is like, no thought. Yeah, well, I can't follow it, it. There is a plot, but it's it's all about a murder. And they're trying to figure out that the, the the vampire and the werewolf, they team up, actually. And now they become friends. And he's trying to tell him like, hey, I am a werewolf. He reveals to himself. He shows him the transformation. He's like, but that wasn't me that killed this little girl in the woods. So they're trying to find the person that did. That's that's what the, the bulk of this story is supposed to be. They're trying to find this other wolf. Who is this? And who's killing people? And they just veer off from the plot so much, and I'm, and I, you forget that that's what's going on. Uh, you know what? Fomka Jansen, she's a gorgeous woman. I've always had a thing for her, but man, I can't stand that Southern Belle accent she tries to do. <laughs> Cannot stand it. It is so I, – I mean maybe it's just I'm annoyed by Southern accents a lot of time anyway, but it's fake ones. It's people when they put them on. It just sounds so hokey. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. I just I, – I will say that I think – I think maybe it does get a little better than the first episode if you decide to, you know, keep watching it. But 
I am guilty of not being able to stay 100% focus. I veer off. I wander off my mind. You sure. know what I'm saying? I, when, you, when you find yourself dabbling on your phone or like on a laptop while a show's on, then you're losing interest. No, I agree. So, and that's what's happening to me. So, I mean, I'm kind of pushing myself to finish the series. And if I do finish it further past the fifth episode, it's going to take an effort. You know, I'm not, I'm not willingly, you know, having fun watching it. So it, it gets a negative score for me. I don't, I don't, I, gosh, on a 10 scale, eh, it, there is more, <laughs> just to correct our Riverman too, there is more than half a nipple. If you watch more than a few episodes, there is some, you know, a lot more than that. But that's not going to save the show. No, I'd rather watch real porn. <laughs> uh, Behind the Mask does not endorse porn in any way or the youth watching porn. Anyway, that was the public service announcement. <laughs> I, I, one out of ten, geez, I don't know. Uh, I never gave it one out. Well, me. I gave it about uh, three out of ten. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it about a three out of ten, too. Just because... I don't know. I think there are a couple of decent actors in there. Um, some of them get on my nerves, though. Uh, I don't know. To me, like I said, the American Horror Story comparison also, that lead character, the one you think is a vampire, he just kind of reminds me of a second-rate Tate from American Horror Story. Well, Tate's way yeah, Tate's way better, and this guy's like a fucking Abercrombie model, of course. Well, I'm saying he's, he's kind of like... It's like a character kind of like the guy that played Tate would portray. Yeah, I agree. He's, he's trying to tap into that. And the guy that played Tate did a great job. Mm-hmm. Really eerie, eerie portrayal of that character. So anyway, it is what it is. It's not a great show by any means. It's not even a good show. Um, Tell us what you think of the show, though. Yeah, I know. Comments. Let us know. Are we on crack? But I just think it's overrated. And, you know, in particular... The only thing people are, are, are praising about this show is that stupid morphing sequence. River, I, I challenge you to actually just skim the episode and find I the morphing I will watch sequence. the morphing sequence, and I will talk about it next episode. And, and, but let me know on Facebook or, or the website, all that good stuff, you know, if, if I'm on drugs, because it just, it just wasn't that good. But anyway, that's, that's all we got to say about that. Three out of tens. Not too good. Not too good, Eli Ross. Stop, uh, stop associating and selling your name to garbage. Yeah, it's I'm looking good. forward to Green Inferno, though. The cannibal movie's coming out with. But uh, we'll see about that. Yeah, I know. But it's just like Guillermo del Toro, dude. I like his movies. I like his actual directorial efforts. But the guy attaches his name to every other crappy movie out there. No, I agree. It, and to me, it tarnishes the name. It really does. Mm-hmm. Whether or not he's actually directly involved or not. So let that be a lesson. I mean, come on. We have integrity. Let's let's try and hold on to that. I would. Yeah. But anyway, speaking of integrity and holding on to all that, we're going to talk about The Lords of Salem. Next topic. Um, whether or not you like or hate the film, I haven't seen it myself. I've heard horrible things about it. I've heard a couple of more underground type people that just praise it. If anything, even without seeing the movie myself, I can already gather that Rob Zombie has kept his integrity intact. Speaking of integrity, because from what River's going to say, I guess it's really just out there and bizarre and weird and so not mainstream. So I'm going to let River kind of spearhead this one and I'll just kind of, you know, play Q&A here. Ah, Lords of Salem. Uh, You guys pretty much know the premise, you know, uh, DJ or whatever from a local radio station. And um, it's in Salem, Massachusetts basically where the Salem Witch Trials went on, and um, a lot of flashbacks. Um, a lot of people think they're, you know, third-rate actors, but I actually really enjoyed them. I thought a lot of people hate on Cherry Moon, but she actually, I thought, did a pretty good job in this. Of course, you have, like, D. Wallace Stone. You have uh, Bruce Davison, which was actually really good. I liked him a lot. Um, Meg Foster. Meg Foster is, she's fantastic in this. I mean, she plays one of the witches, and oh man, uh, I went with uh, Lush. Actually, we went to the theater and saw this, my old lady, and uh, we we couldn't believe it was Meg Foster at the end. We're like, oh fuck, that is Meg Foster, because I mean, she she was just so good in the film. Um, basically, what did I thought about this movie? It is Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick. It is Dario Argento. Um, some people also. Some people also compared it to Ken Russell. I would say that they are 100% accurate on that, especially Kubrick. 
people are going to say he ripped off Kubrick on a lot of the shots, especially some of the hallway scenes, which you might have seen some hallway scenes from the trailers. But I don't give a shit. People say House of a Thousand Corpses, oh, he ripped off uh, Toby Hooper. He ripped off whoever. I don't give a fuck. Um, he's actually coming out with some pretty fucked up movies. Movies that'll actually scare you. A lot of people are hating on this movie. A lot of people say that the whole devil sequences and like the worshiping Satan is just so, you know, oh, it's not effective or anything. I think it is. I mean, I can kind of speak for Goose in the same way. These type of films are the films that actually kind of freak me out because they're actually real life. It's not like Jason coming at you in a camp, you know, that sort of thing. And you can agree with me on that, right, Goose? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I, I really like, you know, not that I'm somebody that endorses. No, going I up, don't. And, and I'm, I'm not going to go dig up bodies at Greenlawn Cemetery or anything like that. I mean, but movie, you can't deny that films about the occult and things like that are interesting just from a religious standpoint. Well, just from a history standpoint, from a people standpoint, just, you know, I mean, from a lot of different things. It doesn't mean that, hey, I want to go and exhume corpses myself, but, you know, I. I don't know. I, I, I think when I talked to River as soon as he saw the movie, I just wanted to get his take on it. And, uh, you know, by the way, we're keeping this spoiler free because we know it was limited release. And because it was limited release, we know a lot of people that want to see the movie can't see the movie. So we're staying away from spoilers. But, you know, the, the, the thing that River told me over the phone was actually a really interesting um, sort of breakdown of it. And it was it was interesting to hear that because. No reviews had really been out yet. Nobody had seen it. River had seen a Thursday night show the, the day before um, a screening, and he told me that he loved it. He thought it was amazing and all that great stuff. But he also said that. But I think everybody else is going to hate it. That was a very yep. interesting. That was a very interesting uh, way of putting it that I wouldn't have expected. Because usually when somebody sees a movie that they freaking love, you know, first first second in the theater, you're like, oh, it's amazing, it's the best thing ever. But you actually had a little insight to it. Like you know what? I, th- I thought it was amazing. I'm on cloud nine. I think everybody else is going to hate it. Well, the thing is. Nobody appreciates slow burn movies, and this has kind of guilty of being a slow burn movie at times. I mean, it's not as slow burn as a Ty West film, but I would put it in like the same caliber as a slow burn film is like a Ty West film. Maybe a little faster than that, but that's why I thought people would hate it. The fact that it is so satanic, um, religious, you know, fanatics are gonna hate it, of course. But people that you know, all they want to see is Evil Dead. Um, they're not gonna like this film if you don't like. I'm just saying, if you like like a Ty West slow burn, um, even like a a Kubrick, because not everybody likes Kubrick. Um, if you like the kind of psychedelic, you know, mind altering type of universe, some scenes. I mean, it's not overly done. I mean, some parts are, you know, in your face, that sort of thing. But it's not all just like dreamlike sequences. But some portions of the film is. That's why I think a lot of people are going to hate it. But this film, I thought I thought it was fantastic. Um, you know, I went my old lady. Of course, she hated it. She really liked Evil Dead, which I didn't like. But from an artistic standpoint, what Rob Zombie's doing nowadays, I think this is a step in the right direction. There's some scenes that you're just like, oh my gosh, like I want to go to church after I watch this, you know. And that's what a few people said um, after we we checked it out. But, uh, you know, I like that sort of thing. It reminded me of, like, the Manson family, James Van Bepper movie from, I think, came out in 2000, 2001. But um, I put that in the same category. But this, I like the characters a lot more and everything. And the ending was very, very different. I'll give you that. Um, And, you know, we talked about how we hated, like, Tree of Life or whatever. My old lady, like, walked out, and she was like, God, that was Rob Zombie's Tree of Life. And I was like, yeah, but it it was fantastic. (laughs) Oh, come on. So, wait a second. So Rob Zombie made a movie that had Michael Berryman just walking around some streets looking up at the sky and then dancing on a beach? No, no. That's what what she compared it to because she's not used to the artistic films. But, um, I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, Tree of Life, of course, had no plot or anything like that. Tree of Life is a three-hour-long version of of a college kid's student film. But I mean, Ken Fourier was funny in it. I mean, I like, really like the cast. I thought they were really good in it. So, yeah. um, I would put this, I would put this up there with House of Thousand Corpses and Devils. Um, if you ask me which is my favorite right now, I'd still put Devils. I put this and House Two. 
I thought house was your favorite. It it really depends. Um, it really depends on the time of year. October house is my favorite because it's my my favorite Halloween film. You know, the film I always watch in ha- during Halloween time. So. Yeah. Well, I have to reserve my uh, rating of it when I get to see it. My city was sadly not selected. But, you know, uh, just to kind of give you guys an idea, River is a big Rob Zombie fan. Like you just said, you liked all of his movies. You even liked the horrible Halloween 2, which I I like it better than the first one. Okay, I thought Halloween 2 was a pile of just garbage. Um, It was just violence and grunting for the sake of stabby, bloody violence and grunting. But anyway, I don't want to get into that film. But, you know, me, I'm a little bit more come as I go type of thing. Cause it's like when, when house of a thousand corpses came out, I really hated it. I hated, it, I hated, it, I hated, it. and I didn't enjoy it for a long time. And you know what now it's, and then of course, uh, devil's rejects came out and it was just a total, to, total circle was made here because I loved it. It was a totally different movie in tone. Sure. You know, and I loved it. I thought it was great. I'm like, wow. I mean, he's, he's re- revived my faith in him because this is fantastic. So I went back and I watched House of a Thousand Corpses, which obviously had the same characters and stuff like that, even though it was a way different movie. That one was more psychedelic. And I, I grew to like it a little more. You know, it used to bug me that it was just such a, I don't know, you can call it homage. I call it too much of a ripoff and, and using, you know, Toby Hooper as a crutch. But, I could see that at parts, but I mean, for the time, I mean, nobody else was ripping off Toby Hooper, so I was, I was okay with it. But, you know, whatever. He did kind of put it through the zombie filter because it was all psychedelic, you know, like a lot of his music videos were, the flashy colors, real vibe. It's a fun movie to look at. Yeah, and it's beautiful on Blu-ray. It's probably one of the best-looking Blu-rays you can buy. But anyway, so I, I grew to like that one. I'm not going to say I absolutely love it or anything, but I, I like it. I love Devil's Rejects. And then, uh, gosh, that that... Haunted World of El Super Bisto. People are going to say, well, that doesn't count. It's garbage. You know what? I, I say it counts because he, he wrote it. He directed it. He produced it. That's a Rob Zombie film. I'm sorry. Um, and it sucks. Yeah. That one sucks. And then you have Halloween, which I did enjoy. I, I enjoyed his take on it. And while it was a flawed movie, it wasn't perfect, I thought it was enjoyable. And I was interesting with you know the, the different direction he took. So I enjoyed that. And Sherry Moon grew a lot as an actress from Devil's Rejects to Halloween. Yeah. And I don't know if it was the kind of a somber part she was playing, opposed to that kooky, crazy baby character, or if she was just actually getting better. I don't know. And I, I can't vouch for her performance in the new film. But, I thought she know, did pretty solid. Hopefully, hopefully it's a continuation of how she was showing to be in Halloween. Anyway, then Halloween 2 came out, and I thought that was just a mess, and I thought it was a pointless sequel. And you could tell that he signed a contract to make a sequel, and he probably really didn't want to do it. And, but he was contractually obligated by Dimension, a big studio, big budget, and all that stuff. And he made a movie, and he made just a violent movie that made no sense. It was just a bunch of stabbing. I'm sorry, but you know there was contracts involved, and that's it's, the reason why. It's not – yeah, it's, it's not – you know – you know like what you're saying. There's so many pro- Well, there's so many problems with every one of his movies except Devils. I I think. Yeah, I agree with that. But um, that's why I would put Devils number one. Looking back at it, I would if I would have to rate him, I would give Devils a nine. I would give these both an eight. I would give House, and I would give this one an eight. But um, they're they're on the same par. I mean, they're gr- they're really good movies, and I would highly recommend them. And I might even like them more after they come out on Blu-ray. I just. The t- I'm the type, and I don't want to speak for you, Goose, but I, I feel like you might be in the same ballpark. Whereas I have to – I embrace the movie a lot more once I get it in my own living room, and I sit there with the surround sound on, on my own TV, sitting there with a bowl of popcorn, watching the movie in my own presence. Like I don't want to be around people when I'm watching a movie. I don't want to hear them talking. I don't want to see cell phones flashing. That's just we, my if, thing. If we wanted talking during the movie, we'll sit there and watch Mystery Science Theater. Yeah. Exactly. Or whatever, but, um, but I I seem to like I seem to like films, you know. Once I get them home in my hands, more. No, I I agree. I agree. So you know, and that's why there's certain movies that are worth a rewatch when they come out to see. But like I said, I, you can't deny. I think Rob Zombie's more comfortable. He even said there's a real. He likes being having these small budget movies. Because he call, he calls all the shots, he has all the creative input. You know, Halloween franchise that was kind of him stepping away from that. And I think, I mean, I look forward to seeing what this uh, new hockey movie he's got on the horizon yeah. is going to do for him because he's stepping outside of the horror genre. But if this doesn't prove to do anything for him and it's a total flop, then I think he's doomed to continuously make Lords of Salem type movies. I don't think he's ever going to. I don't think he's ever going to get a big budget like the Halloween franchise. He's never going to have an opening like Halloween One again. Let alone the much lesser Halloween Two. 
but like I said, if he he could really uh, do a crossover, if this next one is praised, he's officially crossed over, I think. But if it doesn't do anything, I think he's just doomed to do these indie movies. But you know what? He says, you know what? The budget's a drag. But you yeah. know, having creative control is awesome. You know, and not having all these guys to answer to. But you know, it's drag because this one, like I said, only had like one point two, one point five million dollars. That's tiny. Yeah, and I think the the opening weekend only made like three hundred thousand dollars because it was only granted. Granted, it was certain, limited. Yeah, really limited. Like, like what three hundred theaters? There was nothing. Yeah, I, so, I there was only one theater in my city. But if it if it opened wide, I, I guarantee you would make a profit. I mean, you could just do the math by the number. So, but it is what it is. That's why people put certain budgets on films because they look at the film and they look at the market that it's going to cater to, and they decide what's going to make them a profit. Be like, hey, okay, we want to make a profit. We know how big you know the people, the freaks that are going to go see us movie. So we're only going to give you one point five million dollars. That's how much money we feel comfortable giving because we want a return on this. We're not going to give you a twenty million. I mean, that's just the business of it. Well, and, and Anchor Bay put it out and. What the last thing that they put out that went into theaters was like, uh, um, "I Spit on Your Grave," Hatchet, Hatchet Two, or something like that. And Those went to theaters. Hatchet, too, Hatchet, Hatchet. I think Hatchet Two was out in theaters for a weekend. I Spit on Your Grave was out limited release. I mean, they pick up limited release films. So I mean, like I said, you know, you got these smaller indie studios that you know want to put so much money into it. You know, these are studios that are expecting only so much of a return. That's why Kevin Smith keeps making movies. Kevin Smith movies only pull like what fifteen million max. Yeah, you got diehards. That's it. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? At the same time, his films have tiny budgets. Yeah, you really think Clerks cost? You think Clerks two even like? No, that movie costs nothing. He's using actors from Clerks 1 that probably got paid in french fries. No, I agree. You know, really small indie spirit films, and the studios know that, hey, we're going to make about $10 million off this movie, and that's good for us. They need all those kind of little projects, these consistent little projects that are guaranteed little cash flow to feed the bigger machine. That's just the way it goes. It's like that in the music industry, too. Uh, you know, they're, they're all important. You can't all be nickel bags. You got to have those, those midway guys, too. But anyway, we'll see what I think about the flick. Uh, gosh, I don't even know where I was going. We kind of derailed there, but yeah. But you can't deny on that. Real, to finish off that topic, you can't deny that the Halloween two was forced. Come on. Oh, that it was, was forced, but I mean, a lot of his time. a lot of his films are forced. Though Halloween one was forced. I give that. I was, oh. Well, Halloween. No, I think the Halloween franchise. The only time he's been forced, and the other times it's been creative control. They're his babies, man. Ground up, and now. I, now these, they weren't perfect films. I mean, they weren't. But, but, you know. but they were his films. Yeah. I'm not going to call them forced because if they were in, if they were imperfect films, that's because he was he's an imperfect director. But I think his heart. You can watch the documentaries on stuff like Devil's Rejects and stuff. His heart is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But his heart is on that stuff. So you so you know whatever he has to show for it is 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 that's it. But now the Halloween, obviously, yeah, that that was a big beast he attached himself to, but. I think he generally wanted to do it when they threw him enough money or whatever or decided, hey, you can do this with it. Okay. But you could tell he signed a contract and he blew his wad in the first one. And he had to – because the first one was such a big hit, a surprise hit. And it's like, okay, he signed the thing. They probably threw him a lot of cash to do Halloween 2. It was forced. And he turned over this movie that was just – granted, it was, a little, it was a lot less mainstream than the first one. Yeah. I mean it was just brutal. It was more brutal. It was more violent. Even everything down to Michael Myers grunting. It's like, wow, he's really getting into stabbing even more in the first one. You know what I'm trying to say? In the second well, one. Well, that's, like, that's probably, probably why it's my least favorite is because, I mean, the first one kind of bored me a little bit. But I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, that's just my take on it. But anyway, I can't wait to what, – what do you rate this, River? You said an 8, right? I give it an 8 out of 10. I, I don't know what I'm going to – I don't know what I'm going to see. Uh, I'm going to buy it on Blu-ray first day just because uh, I am a diehard zombie fan. But um, and I did really enjoy this film. But a lot of people are butchering this film. I oh. mean, they're not giving it the time. They're saying it's crap. Five out of ten, three out of ten. They, I mean, a lot of people don't. I mean, they're not creative enough. I mean, they. Well, I hate to say that about people, but a lot of people just want to see the Evil Dead's and that sort of thing. Yeah, and you know, and also this is kind of a burning thing too. But there's just a lot, of, especially on the internet, man. There's just a lot of people that want to see people fail. Yeah. You know, like these people that think it's cool to hate certain people. It's cool to hate Rob Zombie films. Uh, it's just cool to be a hater. And, you know, it's cool to be a bandwagon hopper and, and just want that person to fail. And these are the people that are talking trash about a certain film before it even comes out. 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, I love Eli Roth's films, but his, you know, television show's a piece of shit. I'm going to tell you if a a guy's project's a piece of crap. Just like you're saying, like, Romero's new films suck. I mean, it's like all that, you know? I was about to say that, too. You know, Romero can't put out a... He can't can't have a good idea to save his life. No, exactly. Romero had one good revolutionary idea, and he has just milked that his entire career. No, I agree. That's all he's been able to do. But you know what? I, I hope to God I have one awesome idea and I get to milk that for my whole life. That's all I could ask for, man. So I'm not oh, yeah. knocking anybody. So and I'm not going to knock Rob Zombie. I don't think he's a. I think he's a. He's got a lot of potential as a director. You know, and from what I've seen so far, he's he's had hit and misses with me. But I respect just about everything he does. I respect his integrity he puts into stuff. I respect the hard work ethic he seems to have. Um, you know, he's he, a hardworking guy in the industry. I'm he, not going to dog him. No, and he has his own unique flavor to his films, just like uh, Quentin Tarantino. Just like Quentin Tarantino has his own unique style. You can tell a Rob Zombie film from a regular film. No, agreed. You could, and, and I could even say it's probably like Quentin Tarantino. Too. And I wouldn't say, yeah, you know, I wouldn't compare him to Tarantino because he's fantastic, of course. Well, but, I'm just going to say that, yeah, like Quentin Tarantino, Rob Zombie has his own style, but yet, you know, at times he wears his influences on his sleeve, and uh, you know, but Quentin Tarantino does that too. They yeah. kind of they kind of fuse their influences through their own filter, and then you get. You know their style. Quentin Tarantino obviously has made nothing but homage films. Yeah, he made he made the black exploitation homage film. He's made the the the, the anime the homage film with the uh, uh, Kill Bills, and he's done the the slave exploitation or whatever you want to call yeah, that. The, you know, the Django. Jackie Browns, he's done black the, the black exploitation, yeah. yeah, and the car exploitation. He's, yeah. he's paying homage to through his. I'd say I'd say the thing he kind of brings to the table is his uh, dialogue. That's mm-hmm. just that's Quentin Tarantino. And that's violence. his stamp. And, of course, the overt violence, you know, but yeah. whatever. Yeah, Rob Zombie's kind of in that same boat. I don't think he's refined it as well as Quentin Tarantino. No, hell no, 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 no. Quentin Tarantino has found that they're, niche. They're not in the same own. realm, but it's, no, no, he's I mean, still good. I'm saying Quentin Tarantino has found that perfect chemistry of influence and originality, and he owns that niche he's carved. He Rob, Zombie, Rob Zombie's working on it. Yeah. So he's still young. I'm say. Well, I don't know about young, but <laughs> he's about fifty. But well, well, you know, putting out films and everything. I mean, he's well, only we'll been, <laughs> but uh, that Shinaz ain't getting any smaller. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but anyway, that's that's what I got to say. Let us know what you think about the film. Uh, those of you that have been lucky enough to see it, and uh, geez, I don't know. Let us know anything else. We love the feedback, guys. Go on the iTunes and leave feedback there. Or iTunes. Fa- the Facebook or, you know, don't forget to like, like us there. It's easy to find behind the mass presents, um, on Facebook and leave us feedback there. Tell us we suck. Tell us you agree, disagree, or tell us we're very good looking gentlemen. I don't care. Um, and obviously behind the mass presents.com. Check it out. Uh, be on the horizon for behind, more good things to come behind know. the mask on iTunes. So I don't know if it's presents, but I think it's just behind the mask because we are the behind the mask. So yeah, we're not that. that we're not that Michael Jackson documentary, and we're not that. Uh, th- there's a website online that sells hockey masks. We're not those guys either. <laughs> we are behind. That's why we had to add presents to it, folks, because you know we don't want people asking us for hockey gear because we don't got it, frankly, unless you want a Jason Voorhees mask. There you but go. anyway, thanks guys for listening. Leave feedback. Till next time. This is uh, Goose. And River. Oh, yeah. We'll see you later. Ciao.